Welcome to the Schoolist Place. I'm Richard. And I'm Alan. And in this series, we're going to help you build a viable media business by exploring the problems faced by other entrepreneurs. One of the most powerful tools for any media business, especially those in emerging markets, is your community. And I'm not talking about just your audience, but also your peers. That's right. Industry events, for example, help build awareness about ideas, trends, and new methods of working. They also celebrate the achievements of others in your region, and ultimately, they help build the whole ecosystem. Today on the show, we're profiling an entrepreneur who wanted to build a podcast festival from scratch for the growing Nepali market. Uh, so in Nepal, over the last, I think, two years or so, we've seen a lot of new podcasts coming up. This is Brikuti Rai, our buddy and a journalist from Nepal that co-created Boju Bajai, a podcast that explores gender and politics in Nepal and South Asia. Uh, Boju Bajai started about six years ago. Back then, there weren't a lot of Nepali podcasts really, but over the last two or three years, there's been so many podcasts uh, that we've seen, but uh, we didn't really see a way of uh, see that they were talking to each other like we ourselves were not really aware about you know like uh, we were, we knew about podcasts but uh, uh, there was some limitation like let's say if someone like a common friend or a journalist starts a podcast then we would know about that or have a way to sort of like talk to them about it you know share our work with each other but we clearly saw mm. there was um, there was a need for a community uh, for Nepali podcasters to come together and these aren't just podcasters based in Nepal but uh, the Nepali diaspora uh, also has a lot of podcasts uh, that have started and we're doing very well um, in the last year or so. So we thought it would be a good time to uh, uh, have a platform, sort of start something to bring them all together. And this was something that Boju Boja had always wanted to do, sort of, um, you know, like talk about the medium, talk about podcasting and where it's heading towards. So I think that was sort of like where from where we started. Going into the school of splice, Prakuti had a goal and an idea of wanting to connect podcasters across Nepal and amongst Nepali diaspora to help improve the local podcast industry and to encourage knowledge sharing. Yeah, that, that's right. And also, we really wanted to see where the conversations would go when Nepali podcasts would come together. Uh, like, for example, I have been in touch with podcasters outside of Nepal or so we are following, we've been following work of, you know, like uh, podcasts in other countries or other regions where how the uh, medium itself has been doing. But we really wanted to see what sort of conversations uh, this, this podcast festival would sort of like start uh, lead towards. So why did you decide on a podcast festival? Right of all the things that you could have done to bring the community together, what was it about a festival that made it so appealing for you? I think um, initially we wanted to do like an in-person, you know, you know, like like a loose networking event sort of thing. But because we sort of like started planning this, I and and you know, Alan, we've been talking about this for so long. There had been like several ways of, of of COVID, and we sort of decided maybe just doing like an online. Um, a festival would be a good idea and also because we wanted to use this as an opportunity for Nepali podcasters to also listen from podcasters who are not from Nepal and we thought uh, if if we did if we if we sort of like planned this uh, like a festival then it would be an opportunity for uh, Nepali podcasters to also sort of get in touch here from um, other podcasters who aren't uh, necessarily Nepali uh, you know uh, who are who've been doing sort of similar work outside of Nepal 
um so so we we realized maybe the festival format would be a good idea instead of just like let's say like half a day uh, informal sort of like talking to each other networking session that's something we sort of was also part of the festival uh, but we thought mm. the festival format would allow us to uh, allow ourselves also to explore different aspects of podcasting that we also weren't very uh, you know like aware about or wanted to learn more about for example you know uh, we had Carl from Puma podcast talking about the business of podcasting right so um so th- these sort of conversations aren't happening in the Nepali podcasting sphere really so we really wanted to in some ways also move beyond just Nepali podcasters to uh to give to sort of like sort of look towards what others are also doing outside of Nepal so, so i thought we thought that the festival format would be like a perfect way to do that Many of us have missed out on the networking opportunities that existed before COVID, and only some of those in-person events are starting to return. But network is so important for developing a community. As Janie Okta from Meta's journalism team says, you need to pay attention to what others are doing both in and out of your industry so you can improve your own product offering. First, always pay attention to other content creators outside of media or news engage with their audience. Gaming, for example. There's a lot we can learn from them that could work for news as well, but we just haven't tried. Second, ask younger people around you where they get and how they consume information. I'm at an age where it's hard to form new habits and even more difficult to break old ones. So speaking with people younger than me is my way of keeping up with trends. Brikuti recognized the importance of connecting with other podcasters. And so she had to figure out not just how to create a brand new podcast festival, but also how to do it during the pandemic when most of the participants would be online. It, it was a big undertaking for us because we hadn't planned something like this and, and, and to do it virtually came with its own set of challenges. Uh, but I think uh, we were very fortunate enough that um, a lot of our speakers that people we really wanted to have on uh, part of the festival, for example, like Sabina Karki of Sapscast, she's like one of the most popular, uh, you know, uh, podcasters in the country who's been who was in radio and transition to podcast. She agreed to do it immediately, and then we had Carl from Pima Podcast, and then we were able to get Molly Webson from Radio Lab, which is amazing. Um, so I think it was a lot of like learning experience for us also, and it also gave us an idea. Uh, I think as we started planning and as it started coming together, it also gave us an idea to think about, okay, what are the conversations that would really uh, benefit, that would really benefit the community, the podcaster community, and not just because we wanted to have XYZ speaker. It was also because we wanted to really get something or out of everyone and, and sort of like start thinking about things that uh, a lot of us as Nepali podcasters probably did not think earlier, you know, so... When you're thinking about starting an online event, one of the biggest concerns that every founder should have is around discovery. If you go through all the effort to put together the festival, how will people even know it exists? How are you going to reach your target community and get them to show up? So this is the dreaded M word, right? Marketing. So before you launch your event, you should create a marketing plan to get the word out. In fact, you should probably get a marketing plan in place well before you launch your event, right? whether it's engaging people through social media or through partnerships with brands or other media organizations, make sure you get your event in front of the community. 
There's nothing worse for an event creator than putting all the effort in to create the event and then having nobody show up. So Brakuti and her team ran the All Ears Nepali Podcast Festival on April of 2022. And for her first event, it was a huge success. Uh, the sheer number of uh, people who showed up, uh, I think the registrations was were amazing. Like we, we had about, um, I think people for each event, there were about like 40 to 50 or 60 in some events registered. Obviously, not everybody showed up, but um, I guess um, our main, we really wanted to reach out to the podcasting community and others also who, who were interested in podcasting in, in Nepal and Nepalese living abroad also. So I think in terms of um, uh, sort of meeting the objective of this festival, which was to bring together uh, Nepali podcasters, I think uh, we were able to do that to uh, a great extent. I think it was something that was being done for the first time in Nepal. Um, um, also the fact that they were able to communicate, I mean, sort of connect with each other and connect with podcasters outside of Nepal also happened. So so that was also great. And we've been hearing from people that uh, even non-podcasters really enjoyed uh, listening to some of their favorite podcasters um, or even listening, learning about uh, the, the audience engagement side of uh, uh, online product uh, that that could be anything from podcast to videos. I think um, people overall, I guess, it was a very positive response from everyone. Brikuti has a number of learnings from this first event. One of the challenges with running any event is not only how to market the event, but once people know about it, how do you actually get them to sign up? This was something that we got direct experience with thanks to Splice Beta, both in person and online. The biggest aspect of this is removing friction. One of the biggest lessons we've taken away from organizing Splice Beta, which is a little media startup festival that we run every year in Chiang Mai in Thailand, is how to remove friction from the sign-up process. But more about that later. So for Brikuti, she found that these back-end processes was one of the most challenging parts of running the festival. Our focus was on sort of like, uh, like working on the let's say the content side of the festival but we sort of did not anticipate the sort of time and work um, it would take to 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 get things going in terms of the the back end work i would say you know um, you know before the posters are launched or before you the the registration link is up all the things that goes behind it was really a, a, a big learning experience for us and also the most most stressful part of it all <laughs> stressful indeed Many online creators have jumped on Zoom as the default to run events throughout the pandemic. And Zoom is great to a point. However, there are so many reported examples of Zoom calls going crazy thanks to trolls and all all kinds of hacking problems. Unfortunately, this was also an issue that Brikuti realized that the team had overlooked. This was a virtual event. Uh, There were so many things that we completely did not even anticipate, for example, the security aspect of uh, that is something that I would really go back and try to, you know, like uh, if, if given an opportunity, do that really well. For example, and we did mention earlier, right, all the events were going pretty smoothly. Towards the end, we got what people now know already as being Zoom bombed. Um, <laughs> so we had these uh, sort of like, I think, trolls who were like, you know, like, uh, interrupting our sessions towards the end and we didn't really get to uh, sort of like conclude it uh, as we wanted to. So it was quite an 
unceremonious sort of like conclusion to this, you know, like six months of working. And that is something mm. that we wish we had thought of it earlier in terms of like security. How do we manage? How do we secure these conversations? You know, some of it were closed. Uh, some of it were uh, being broadcasted on Facebook Live. But uh, the, uh, the, the last event of the festival sort of really... Uh, made us rethink our, you know, the entire planning and how we had sort of completely missed out on the sec- security aspect of, you know, when you when you have the zoo links up. Uh, the whole point was uh, making it more accessible to everyone. Um, and um, so I, I don't know, we just uh, did not anticipate that we would have haters that people would call it. I would want to disturb our tiny, small festival. There are many ways to deal with haters and trolls, right? One of the ways that you can deal with them for your online event is to use a meeting password or a waiting room. That way you can screen people. And having ways to screen people coming to your online event is similar to having a registration desk at a physical conference. It's like an insurance policy to make sure that only those who are registered actually get admitted to the event. So that is something I think when we do uh, and... um you know, like the security aspect of it. But I guess we would also maybe sort of make it more easier for people to, um, like like you said, find our, uh, uh, you know, the link to our event, how to register, to make that more easy, seamless, uh, because we are promoting it on multiple platforms. And we did get a lot of queries from people like, how do we do this? And, you know, although we had like a FAQ thread on, on our social media, I think, uh, that was something, uh, you know, just to make it easier for people to discover the, the festival and, and how to sign up. I think uh, if we had made it slightly, worked on the interface better uh, a bit ahead of the festival, then maybe it would reach more people. But we're still very happy with the turn up uh, at the, at the uh, festival. Has this given you new ideas about new products or new ways to engage your community that, that you didn't know before? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, and then we've actually just after this um, festival, we uh, Boje were able to be part of this other fe- other podcast called uh, the Tiki Chao Podcast. We we talked about the festival. We talked about podcasting in Nepal. So I guess it's also already started to open. I think avenues for possible collaborations and you know like networking and sort of coming together to do things, um, and also made us aware about um, um, this sort of like interest in podcasting is what i would i would say um that is something we would really want to work on for example uh one of the most popular sessions was learning about podcasting itself on our second day uh you know we had Mm. a session that was led by us and then we had a session on sound designing by rajan shrestha who's a music producer and has done a lot of sound designing work for us and several uh, nepali movies and you know music videos so i think there there is this uh keen uh, you know interest in in learning more about the medium and and uh, i think people are interested in going beyond just the interview style you know like uh, like we a lot of us we talked a lot about the youtube podcast that's like uh, you know like everywhere in the world like it's even in nepal it's hmm. becoming massively popular what are the ways to move beyond the interview style podcast so that uh, the creators also enjoy the uh, enjoy and experiment uh, with different forms of audio storytelling, something that we really wanted to do and talk to more Nepali podcasters about because we don't see that happening as much. So I think um, that was also uh, something that uh, uh, that moving forward, I guess, we'll be able to 
sort of talk about it more and sort of try to do our own ways of uh, experimenting with the audio medium. According to Brikuti, Boju Bajai's podcast festival, All Years, had great feedback from those who attended. Many podcasts learned about options for funding new ideas, how to make their shows sound better, and it's inspired the team to try and continue those conversations into the future. Yeah, and that's something we love to encourage here at Splice because continuing the journey with your community is so important when it comes to running future events. If you have an active community and you're supporting them, people will keep coming back to future events. You can even involve them in the next event in terms of planning, which means you don't have to start from scratch every single time. We are in in a very in a privileged position to to be able to even do this to the to do the festival that we were able to do uh, because a lot of uh, you know podcasters who are just starting out were not even aware that there could be possibilities like you know like um, crowdsourcing things or or going on platforms like Patreon or applying for grants. Mm. So moving forward, I think we've been really trying to uh, you know push for this podcasters community beyond the festival also. So we now have a, a small WhatsApp group where we try to keep the conversations going about different kinds of things around Great. podcasting including um, talking about financing and you know like if there are opportunities around okay this might so we might come across something so we share it in the group and we hope that group will keep uh, will will uh, you know like continue to talk about these things and you know not just sharing our work but also like asking for help and you know like hoping we can collaborate in the future so i think that's one of the biggest i think um, things that's come out of this festival also so what's a good way to tell if your event has been successful and if you continue those conversations and that life cycle, how do you know if the time investment is paying off? So we want to leave you with some great advice from Masuma Ahuja, the founder of Girlhood, which is a community and media platform powered by girls and their stories. Masuma has some great advice for anyone creating a new community. When I think about getting feedback from our community, we are constantly asking our community for their thoughts. We're listening to them and including them in our decision making. Their participation, not just their feedback, but their participation means we're always building for them. My favorite way to engage with our community is to literally give individual members of our community a seat at the table and to constantly be bringing more people in to our conversations and our decision making. This means they have a sense of ownership over girlhood. The space is theirs and they're helping steer it. There's a lot of power in that. When I think about measuring the value of girlhood, we have a lot of the standard KPIs to measure impact and engagement. But what's more powerful is thinking about our bigger values as an organization and looking at how they manifest. So this includes things like the friendships created in our community, the kind space we're cultivating for girls to meet people from different parts of the world and have honest conversations, and the stories that they're telling that haven't been told elsewhere and that we aren't reading or watching or listening to elsewhere. And thank you for listening to another episode of The School of Splice. This episode was hosted by me, I'm Rishad, and Alan Soon. Production by the team at Lawson Media. In case you didn't already know, we're going to do Splice Beta later this year. To find out more, go to splicemedia.com. And a big thanks to the Meta Journalism Project for sponsoring this podcast. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.